When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingISquared and on Facebook at NISquaredTeam to find out more. Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is Carl. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, If we sound a little bit different, guys, it's because we are in two places at once. Uh, We're not at our regular uh, place where we record so if if the audio kind of cuts in and out that i'm sorry about that and if you hear children laughing in the background that's my children so <laughs> <laughs> I, I was i was trying to come up with a clever nickname for you but i i, I couldn't remember because I, I usually i try to do it based upon what our last episode was but because we took that uh that holiday break i guess you could say uh happy belated Hopey Christmas to everybody out there, I suppose. And so uh, you, you celebrated, quote, unquote, Hopey Christmas over the weekend. So uh, you, how, yeah. how did that go for you? You know, that that is actually the first time I've heard about Hopey Christmas. And I've, I've never heard that before uh, till, till actually you just said that. Uh, and on like on Instagram or on Facebook, it, it's like, I never seen that before. It must be like a Munkapi thing or something like that. Cause I never seen that before. I, I, I think you tend to, to miss a lot of things that occurs out in the world when you live under a rock. So, you know, when <laughs> once in a while, when you stick your head out of Solo's Spiha, then, you know, you might see a little of some of how the contemporary communications goes on with our people, but it's pretty prevalent out there. And I think like, we said in our last episode that people related to Christmas because uh, there's gifts involved, and usually those gifts are for children. But uh, how 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 did you celebrate your your Hopi holiday? Oh, it was good. I mean, like there were I, I believe there were probably a million people at at Hope Bella. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking that there were about a million plus people because I couldn't park at my parking spot and. I, I pretty much had to park at like the store and walk over. That's like a quarter mile away from where I live. <laughs> you couldn't park in front of your own house. I couldn't park in front of my own house. There's like people there like, 
are like uh, they're like white people there already in the morning and they're already uh saying like you know i hope i get a gift from the the kachina gods and you know they're from they're the spirit uh, guy. from the spirit guys and you know uh it's it was it was i mean it was magical it was really good to bring that back and it was really good to witness everything else in there and it was like it was just it was like an all-in-all kind of thing <laughs> it was magical it was so, magical so what, what, what does what does one eat during this uh hopi uh holiday well uh you know we we do uh, during around this time during around Buamaya, we eat what is called haju or like the green uh bean sprouts and it's mm-hmm. like this uh, you know, it's like this Chinese knockoff thing here. You know, you, yeah, <laughs> you know, you get that at Szechuan's and you're like, oh, this tastes the same, you know, and, you know, it, it's so good because you only eat this once a year and it, it's, it's to re it's this meal is to revitalize your health is to represent like the, um, the coming of the new year. It's like a new year meal kind of. <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, I'll tell you what is a Wincup thing is that in Wincup, at least as far as my experience goes, when they make kara, that they don't cook any sikwi in it. There's no uh, salt pork, I believe, is what's popular now, or uh, ham hocks, I think some some family uses. But when uh, my the res famous wife made kara for, for me for the very first time, I was like, God damn, I, there's a lot of meat in here. I'm not used to having uh, sikwi in my kara. Yeah, yeah, there's like, I think, well, the, the original kind, original thing was, is that um, it wasn't supposed to be made with any like sequi or anything like that. It was just like plain Jane water and, and just that. And, it, you know, that, you know, my gua said that it was like, it was just, it, it didn't taste good. Now it tastes really good because you, you have like salt pork <laughs> and you have like, you have like bacon in there and I'm pretty sure like people add in like, like uh like water chestnuts and like um like sauteed <laughs> those baby carrots the baby carrots, baby carrots in there <laughs> they, they, i'm pretty sure that they do like Szechuan style kind of cooking in there <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know because I, I i joke and you know because like the people out there they, they call it a hopi christmas but i've always related Womaya more so with the with the different Bahana holiday and you know that's with the the Jewish community <clears throat> and uh, w- with Hanukkah because I, I think you know one of the premises or the premise of Hanukkah is that you know they, they celebrate a miracle that you know and that's why they have those candles I forget what they call them they're, they're like a, a, a candelabra or something like that but the the story of Hanukkah is that they only had oil enough oil to burn the the candles for for one night but they were supposed to burn it for multiple nights. And the miracle is that it, it burned, burned for multiple nights. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like it, and, and with Boomia, what the miracle is, is what they say is that the, the Kachinas, that they're, they're so powerful that they were able to grow fresh bean sprouts in the middle of winter. And these bean sprouts that our families make that turn, turn it into haru, the stew that we eat is that that's the gift is that our spirit friends have this power to grow bean sprouts during winter time when it's still cold out. So I always correlate it more so with Hanukkah than I do with uh, <laughs> or, Christmas, but because, you know, people fo- focus and fixate on the, 
the tihus and the outas ayas that our, our children receive, I guess it's more relate, Christmas related for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly true because uh, comparing uh, a Jewish holiday to a Hopi holiday is one thing. And um, like, I guess, I guess in all essence is that like everybody's the same. Everybody has like the same kind of outlook on life and same outlook on like, uh, like on, on different ceremonies and different ways of, uh, of doing things. And it's, it's very, 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 very interesting to learn about different cultures. And then you kind of correlate to your own culture and say that, oh man, that that's actually pretty, you know, accurate. Like, you know, like, you hope he's do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hope he's do the same thing too, but in like, in such a minor different way. And all mm-hmm. it all is just like honoring life and honoring the, the way that, uh, how we how we perceive like the future life, how we perceive like the 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 life after after you know further on, pretty much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we we do have a, a topic today for for our uh, episode, and so you know we like to thank all the listeners out there for having patience with us, for allowing us to take that one week off to be able to experience and partake in this miracle. Like Carl said, he felt magical that uh, there was a million people in Hotbella and he had to park all the way to the store and just to walk a, a mile to his house. But, you know, before we go any further, I'd like to give some shout outs. I'd like to thank some folks who uh, contribute uh, to us monthly. And so to us, they're our miracle because then, you know, it's just like us talking out of our asses and miraculously money appears into our accounts, which allows us to do a lot of things, helps us to expand. And so I'd like to give a big shout out to our 30 pack circle of givers. And so I'd like to give a special thanks to Alexis Kehi, Michaela Williams, Terry Hanani, Troy Lamabaya, uh, Marie Nachi, Deidre Leslie, and a new 30 pack contributor. Big shouts out to my good buddy, Mikkel. I am going to butcher her last name, Larzalaire. I knew her as Mikkel Mendoza, Shane Kobe Dempsey, Aaron McEmeris, Donovan Goldtooth, Dion Sania, our boy Millard, Poaniyama, and Gary Lamayasva. All right. Well, thank you for, you know, thank you for that. And thank you for all the things that you do for us. And thank you out there for giving us money. And thank you for doing that. Again, I congratulate you guys for, (laughs) for, uh, you know, getting, getting this far and getting this, uh, this stuff to us because yeah, podcasting is not easy. I mean, it it is, it kind of makes it easy, but it's like, it's fun to do, but like a lot of the things that we do is, uh, does require a little bit of uh, change from your pockets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then one thing too, that we kind of forgot to do in our last episode, but like to continue it on is that with our Carl and J-Man cares initiative. And so if you're just joining us for the very first time that Carl and I have been fortunate enough to be put into a position to where we have this expansive listener base. And so we'd like to use that to the advantage to promote some good programs that are doing some good things out for our Hopi communities. And I, I believe our first two shouts out as far 
far as our CARES initiative went out to the Goho for Hopi program. And so they're still out there looking for donations. And if you can uh, look into your goodness of your hearts, reach down deep into your pockets and support them. But there was actually a new program that I wanted to uh, highlight today. And that is the Ancestral Lands Program. And they are looking to hire and to expand and to put into um, to grow their organization. So I'm just going to read uh, what they sent me, but uh, the Ancestral Lands works to lead Indigenous youth and young adults back to cultural and ecological well-being by providing opportunities, working in a conservation, restoration, and much more. All AL offices have positions open for the 2022 season. To learn more about these positions, visit ancestrallands.com org forward slash positions for Hopi office specific questions, feel free to contact Aeon at 928-640-1829, or you can email Aeon at E, I'm sorry, at A-E-O-N at conservationlegacy.org. And so Ancestral Lance is a great program that they hire youth, and I believe that they take them out to various places. A lot of uh, cultural-related sites to where they help preserve those areas. So they do a lot of great things out there. And so shouts out to the Ancestral Lands program. All right. Well, thank you for the Ancestral Lands program for mentioning that and wanting to further on a lot of... uh, a lot of like, you know, the, uh, what is, what is it called petroglyphs? They, they do petroglyph work or whatever, preserving them. Uh, they help they, clean those areas. Yeah. They clean, sure yeah making sure that our history is still intact. Preserved, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, and so I guess, you know, we can go ahead and start with our episode topic. And so I, I think that, well, I, one of the things that you and I were talking about was that prior to taking our week break, that our our uh, podcast blew up, <laughs> like yeah. it literally blew up because, you know, I know that I've mentioned before to the listeners that we do have this mechanism within our anchor site that allows us to track something called unique downloads, basically, basically people listening to the podcast for the very first time and at one point during this season that i believe that number reached up to 600 so like 600 brand new listeners to the podcast which is very remarkable and i think that one of the reasons as to why the success and the interest in our podcast is because at least for the beginning of this season that we talked a whole lot about Hopi culture. Yeah. And I think yeah. that Hopi culture is something that's very uh, high of interest for folks. And so today's topic is researching Hopi, researching <laughs> Hopi. And so basically, you know, kind of, I guess, you know, really the how, how I came up with this topic of this episode was because I think previous we kind of mentioned some Hopi books and then, you know, you kind of had this opinion about what some of these Hopi books are. And so, you know, I kind of thought that would be a good thing to talk about this because, you know, we don't really talk about researching Hopi a whole lot within our reservations. And I don't even think we talk about this concept of research really at all on the reservation. So I thought that it would be a good platform to talk about researching Hopi. You know, like researching, I don't know, like, uh, because I... Okay. What does like, research mean? <laughs> like finding different clues or like, it's like a scavenger <laughs> hunt. I think like you researching basically is like a scavenger hunt, like, you know, 
go to the next book and you'll find your next clue. Or like, remember, remember what was that movie called? Um, uh, with uh, with uh, uh, what was this? Nicholas Cage. Uh, oh, I, I thought you were talking about the movie with uh, Tony Stark uh, um, with <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. No, 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 no I think what, you're talking about National Treasure. National Treasure. You know, I think it's. I think what research is is basically that on that falls on those lines there. And when you're doing Hopi research, it's it does it, it kind of does that. It, it's like it leads you to like one clue, and you're like finding different uh, like stories to that, like maybe a clan ship. And then you go on to the next one and you're like, oh, it's a different type of um, like, you know, different type of clue that I found out. Then I have to go on to a different, different thing here. And it goes on and on. I'm pretty sure like a lot of Hopi because we don't have we don't have um, like, you know, books that we written by ourselves. We, we, mm-hmm. we don't have books that we we have or we, we don't have, uh, you know, like we don't we're not like a. <laughs> We don't have codices. We don't have anything like that. Like the Aztecs, we don't have drawings. We just have petroglyphs on rocks, pretty much. And and those are basically kind of our stories. And you know, it's kind of hard to understand because a lot of them just, you know, I don't know. You know, you have like a goat and a pig uh, being hunted by a man, and that's pretty much it. And it's like it's like that. It's like that that kind of type of research there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, at least this idea of research, because, you know, for the most part, I think most people out there kind of had this idea of what research is. And then, you know, you shared what your idea of research was. And I guess it just really depends in, in how you research, because when I got to college, that's kind of where I really learned a whole lot about what that concept of research means and where you go to research, how you go about doing your research, this uh, this this idea of what a credible source is you know what i mean like you're you're taking your ideas from something that's more than likely to be true rather than uh the old lady that you talk to in the morning and you know when she's spreading her gossip and you know i think for a lot of us you know we don't really understand what this concept of research is because then when you because i'm looking at my format and i have this question it's how do hopis research you know and and <laughs> i think the way that most of our people research is through facebook they they want to know what time uh true value opens in the morning what time does true value open no, on no on Facebook? no we we uh we researched through the old ladies first uh, to find out what the latest gossip is first so that's our <laughs> research and like hey so you know you know this you know this girl here or this guy here and you're like oh did you hear about her or did you hear about him you know it always starts like that and that's the research that we do and we're like okay i get it now I'm going to put that in my paper. And, and, you know, with, with you saying that, you know, there's various forms, I guess, of reservation research or village research. You know, one is through <laughs> the uh, the SOS, the, the societies of SOS. And then the other <laughs> is through Facebook. Because, you know, for some reason, you know, a lot of folks out there haven't heard of this wonderful machine called Google to where, you know, you just Google your questions in there. What time does True Value open? And Google will tell you. Oh, yeah. As opposed to to, you know, posting something like that on Facebook and waiting for somebody to reply with the correct answer or rather, you know, sometimes you don't even know what the correct answer is. And, you know, outside of just social media, outside of the society of souls that, you know, a, a big part of reservation reservation research is, you know, like that, like just general gossip, because then, you know, one of the most 
common things that you hear as far as how we learn about each other or how we learn about what's local as far as government, as far as schools, is this common phrase, I heard. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and, it, it, it always, and, it always so starts like that. It, it, you know, it always starts... And, yeah, it always starts like I heard about this or I know about this thing here. And then you're like you're you're so intrigued about like the next gossip that you want to know more about. I mean, if if we put out a gossip magazine, if Hopi has put up a gossip magazine, we would have volumes on volumes. It'd be like <laughs> seasons and oh my god, we I'm pretty sure that the, you know, Hopi is very ripe for like making like movies and and tv shows of us and you know have like the golden girls and the hopi version like all these old ladies all nasty and everything like that and i'm pretty sure that it would sell hope you would sell out quick (laughs) (laughs) and it's interesting because you know that really is an actual dynamic of how we are and you know i i guess the reason why i bring that up is because then it's understanding this idea of of why learning how to research is important learning how to properly research why that's important and then also to i guess really seeing the detriment of of what type of uh poor research i guess really does because then you know for example like you know like the the way that we research out here at home by talking to our souls or just looking at what the morning gossip is on facebook while you're taking your number twos or just you know conversing with people in your community that yeah, yeah. The, the, i guess the the information that we like to pass to one another is always the negative stuff for some reason it's like <laughs> we never talk about the good stuff like we never pass about the good information it's like oh did you hear about you know my little brother kyle who's uh trying to qualify into the olympics like no that, that's not that's not important enough to pass it's like oh did you hear about so and so yeah who got yeah, caught messing around yeah, with, with it, this person or, or something to that extent it, ex- but I, exactly I guess yeah you know exactly the, the it's example like a- that <laughs> The example that I wanted to share, I guess, as far as, you know, what, how poor research can hurt is that, you know, like like our school systems, for example, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel that a lot of people are quick to share the negative aspects of our educational system. And it's usually to that extent, oh, I heard that so-and-so is like this. I heard that the CSA is like this. I heard that the people that are running the schools are like this. I heard that the governing board is like this. But in reality, if you're actually to do proper research and ask for things like uh, test scores of the kids or to ask for things like retention as far as kids continuing to stay with that school year after year or even employment retention as far as teachers and uh, teacher assistants staying on year after year, then you're looking for actual data that is actual reflection of how the school functions rather than sharing negative connotations about I heard from this person. And I guess, you know, really to me that that's kind of 
an important thing to understand because I guess really what where I'm trying to go, you know, I'll kind of get ahead of myself as far as the episode goes, but where, where I'm trying to get to is that, and we've talked about this a lot, that unfortunately, you know, a lot of our people out there who are Hopi, they don't know a lot about Hopi. They don't know a lot about the culture. They don't know a lot about um, the histories. And so unfortunately that a lot of us do have to look at publications that are written about Hopis, written by white men to learn about our histories, to learn about our culture, and then to understand this idea of research, who's doing it, how they're doing it, what the final product, is it a good reflection of our people or is it a bad reflection of our people and et cetera. And so that's kind of where, you know, we, ch- we chose to uh, start this episode. And so, you know, kind of a, a question to you, Carl, is who is, who is and who has researched Hopi? <laughs> well, a lot of Hopis research their, themselves, I'm pretty sure, because I Google <laughs> myself sometimes. So like, who's Carl? <laughs> Yeah, how many? How many? What do you find? It's like how many warrants do I have out there and stuff like that? <laughs> how many phone numbers do I have less listed and stuff like that? <laughs> and, and that message pops up zero 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 items have been found. <laughs> and on Google, it just says, "Who's Carl?" <laughs> it's like nobody, no, nobody by that name exists. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, before we continue on, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our paid sponsors here. Kuanvio Mala PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Viren Kuanvioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Kuanvio Mala is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi-owned engineering, architectural, and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full-time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping, and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a Priority One Navajo Certified Business and Hopi Business License Certified. Contact Terraform Development at T-E-R-R-A the number four orm.com and follow them on instagram at terraform development and we're back and and so you know the question was posed to carl about you know who's researching hopi and or who has research because you know hopi's been we're a society that has been researched probably ever since the white people have arrived even all the way back to the spanish yeah and you know it's i guess as far as hopi goes hopi is one of the most if not the most researched indian tribe in the united states and you know i think that the reason why hopi is such a interesting topic i guess is because of the amount of ceremonies that we have 
the intricacies of our ceremonies, the intricacies of the public aspects of our ceremonies, and even in the 2022s, that Hopi is regarded as one of the tribes that has been able to preserve and maintain at least, you know, a, a, a visible amount of our culture, of our language, of our traditional practices. And, you know, I, I guess that's something because like if you're somebody that's never, ever visited Hopi, Carl, what, how, how would you explain to them of, of who we are? Well, you know, like if you're talking to like white people, you want to like um, you want to like uh, boost yourself up. You know, you don't want to show <laughs> you don't want to show the broken down cars and the beer bottles just yet to them. You know, you're like you want to make yourself look good. <laughs> you want to make yourself look like like Sedona's Red Rock. You know, you don't want to know what's underneath the you don't want to know you know, the trash and everything or you like it's like uh, what was that slide rock? You know, you yes, later on. yeah, you bump that up. You don't want to tell them about the poop and the, everything that's inside of the water yet. So you say that, yeah, Slide Rock is pretty cool, and you know, it, it's very magical there. You make your wishes and stuff like that it comes true, and just don't step on the poop, you know. And I guess, I guess that's what basically what Hopi is. It's like you know, we we talk about like the culture first. We talk about like how we talk about like the the. The, the the greatest part of our culture that we still do like social dances we still have uh we still have gods that we still honor we still have a clanship we still have and, and that is all true everything that we say is true but then we see the ugly part of it of the ugly part of reservation is that we have like broken down trucks in front of the like, houses we have dogs that outnumber humans in the village you know and, <laughs> <laughs> we have, you know, we have uh, souls that, you know, talk, uh, you know, like when you when you hear like a soul, you hear yeah, grandma. We have like, souls that are bringing our societies down. <laughs> you know, you when you hear souls, you know, you hear like grandma and they're like supposed to be nice and friendly. And then you go to Hopi and then they're all mean and then they're all nasty sometimes. And, you know, that's that's basically how Hopi is. It's like it's like we we show them the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg first. And then when they're comfortable enough, then you show them the real side of Hopi. <laughs> then you start telling them the, the things about, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the cro crooked leaders and, and et cetera. <laughs> you, tell them about, <laughs> you tell them like, uh, you know, don't go to this house because it's a meth house, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that I know that person that lives over here because that's uh, I, it's, uh, that's th this person right here. You know, he's a leader, but he also does uh, drugs and stuff like that. You know, all of these different things like that. It's all <laughs> it's all drama first. It's all like, you know, mismatched things and stuff like we're we're Hopi is basically like the mixed match socks of society. But yet we still are wearable in <laughs> we're still wearable pretty much. So they still work. They still work. <laughs> but I guess, you know, the commonality in, in that conversation is that our culture is attractive. Uh, the fact that we've preserved things is attractive. And that's reflective too with our podcast, because then if you look back, at least if you're to be able to see a behind the scenes glance of what you and I see per our uh, Anchor app, that anything Hopi culture related is usually one of our highest listened to episodes in oh, yeah. our podcast and so you know anything that's related to culture is very popular and you know i believe that that popularity is what attracted a lot of folks to come and to research hopi and so when you think about some of those early researchers 
that I think that you and I have talked about before. You, you talk about the, the Reverend H.R. Voss, or you think about the Mischa Titiev's, or you think about the Peter Whites, or you think about other folks like that. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, you know, a lot of those early <coughs> researchers are Bahanas, they're archaeologists, they're ethno, uh, eth- ethnographers, I believe the term is, or yeah. ethno- ethnologists or something like that, yeah. historians. And so when you have folks like that coming to Hopi and researching, researching based upon their own backgrounds, that especially being Pahana and for the most part, a lot of them being Christian, that, you know, they kind of see us in a certain way, that they write about us in a certain way, basically kind of writing about Hopi as being primitive, writing about Hopi as being less than the the white man society, because then they talk about us as, oh, they pray to sticks and feathers. Yeah. That, you know, that, you know, because, you know, if you've ever read much of the publications that are out there, some of the earliest publications that you do see it, because I remember that I read in one of the books and they were talking about Katsina, that they were talking about our spirit friends. Specifically, they were talking about Angaktina. And so for Hopis that are familiar with Angaktina and how they sing, familiar with Hopi in our songs, our tatawi, that, you know, for people like us, you know, we think of our songs as beautiful. I've even thought about them to the point as being similar to that of poems, of being art within our society. But the way that this white man wrote about Angaktina and Angaktina songs, that he said that it was harmoniously barbaric, basically saying that there was harmony in it, but yet it was still barbaric to a point where, you know, I guess, you know, you, you equate bar barbarianism with like cavemen yeah, and, you yeah. know, people from back then. And so, you know, you really see how those Bahanas talk about Hopi. And, you know, it was very confusing to, to read those books because those books are like all over the place, right? Like, like they're, you go into any Hopi home and for some reason we collect these books. <laughs> we collect these books about ourselves. And, you know, I grew up with, you know, kind of some of the more infamous books written about Hopi. Uh, one called The Book of the Hopi, which was written by uh, Frank Waters. And then, you know, there's another one called the pages of Hopi history. And I can't off the top of my head remember who the author is for that one, but that's another popular book that you see in Hopi homes. And then the infamous, uh, the Kachina book, which has probably over a hundred paintings of different Kachina and the narration uh, to it. Who who drew that? I forgot who drew that Kachina book. The the painter is actually... uh, a Hopi who is uh, from, I believe they're from Munkapi, but possibly originally from uh, Oraivi, but the last name was uh, Baniptiwa. Oh, yeah, Baniptiwa, so, yeah. And so they were the painter of, of those books, but I believe that the author that wrote all of the narration for all of the different Kachina paintings was uh, somebody by the last name of Colt, I believe. Mm. Mm. Did you know that we have a Wikipedia page? Hopi has a Wikipedia page here. I, I did know that. I, I didn't know that because I never looked this up before. 
And it, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it tells it, it has like pictures in here, and it, it has like from uh, Edward C. Curtis. It has like um, like uh, what was what was the other one too? Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams was one of the famous photographers of of their time, taking pictures of uh, Hopi and stuff. And then it's, it, I mean, it's like this whole thing. And I didn't know that there were uh, 19,000 19, people or 19,000 Hopis here. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, that's what it says on here. It's like the 2010 census. It's like 19,333 people are here uh, from the 2010 census. I'm pretty sure that there's more, more people than this, but I, I didn't know that. I never knew oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess, you know, kind of one of the other thoughts, too, that, that I had as far as, you know, kind of, I guess, some some detriments as far as Bahana's researching Hopi is one that, you know, one that they do paint us as, as in, in an inferior way. But I guess really the other, the big part that, you know, kind of is has been a big detriment is the exposure of our culture. Because anybody that's grown up within our villages understands that our, 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 uh, practices, I guess, our, our himu'at is uh, sacred and that it's supposed to be kept within our villages if you're initiated into a certain society that the knowledge that you learn while you undergo the undergo the initiation process that's also sacred as well and that information is to be kept within the society but early researchers you know guys like Voth that they force their way into the give us well our most sacred ceremonies were being held and they were drawing what they were seeing if they had the capabilities they were photographing what they were seeing and they published this information for the world to see and so you oh, know yeah. i think that i've always you know thought that you know that's kind of some information that a lot of our people don't realize is that we talked about these more popular books that we find in most of most hopi homes book of the hopi hopi uh pages of, from hopi history but not to that understanding that our most sacred secrets are public now that anybody that has an email address that ends with edu if they're in any type of collegiate setting has access to a co college library and more than likely in any of these college libraries you'll find this information you'll 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 be able to initiate yourself into poemia if you're able to read uh Voss manuscript or you know really learn what what it is that they did during Wutsim or learn what it is that they do during Soyalang, learn what it is that they do during Mamurao, our most sacred ceremonies. And, you know, and it's interesting because I always used to think about that because I know that this information is out there. Oh, I yeah. know yeah. that these publications are out there and, you know, during my collegiate experience coming across some of these documents that I've actually seen them, but me being Hopi, knowing that it's wrong to know something about these societies that I don't belong to, that I've never read more than the cover page going into these documents because I'm afraid, afraid for myself, but knowing that, you know, there are folks out there that don't have the same fear as I do, that they know more about Poomaya than I do, <laughs> somebody that's actually Hopi and that was born on the reservation. And so, you know, it just, it creates this interesting paradox, I guess, as far as, you know, what our culture is. And so, you know, that is a reality that there potentially are non 
young Hopis out there that are so interested in our culture that to a degree almost know a lot more about ourselves than we do our own self. It, it, it's like that It's like that thing where it's um, how far is too far when you're pushing like the limits of knowing what you're supposed to know. And, and one thing, one thing that kind of, that's, that's the reason why I never read those books before. I, I, I don't think I even have any of those books in my library. I have like oh, Garfield, oh, I have like, I have like the Garfield cat books and stuff like that. Archie comics. Archie comic books in my library. And, <laughs> and then it's like two books, just of two comic books. And then the rest of just like DVDs and VHS movies on my bookshelf. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know i really i guess really you know those are kind of some of the negatives as far as non-hopis researching and writing about hopi but what are some positives maybe about hopis researching and writing about hopis because i think now that you do see some publications out there about hopi written by Hopi and you know I, I did uh, poll the listeners today through our Instagram trying to get some more ideas for some uh, episode topics and so some of them wrote sent in their ideas for what we could talk about and for those of you that did that I really appreciate it and thank you but one of the listeners was asking about us what are some good Hopi books to read that you, you could recommend to us and so you know at least as far as 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 far as me, in my own opinion, I think that there are some good books out there written by Hopi that, you know, there is uh, an author out there who is Hopi. And we've actually shouted him out before in a previous episode, Dr. Matthew Gilbert Sakaistiwa, who's from out here in, in Lindkapi. And he's written several books about Hopi. Most recently, he wrote a book called Hopi Running, I believe is the title of the book that talks about running and the importance of running within our culture and that a lot of his verses are actual Hopis mm. to talk about what running means to us. And then there's another most recent publication that came out through the Hopi Cultural Preservation Office. I believe that the book was called uh, Becoming Hopi. And I actually haven't read that book myself, but you know, from, from my reservation research on Facebook that a lot of people have been giving it rave reviews and, and saying that it's a pretty good uh, book. And I actually did read some pages from the book. One of the things that I really liked was how it distinguished how Bahanas and their ideologies about researching us versus Hopis and our own ideologies versus researching us. Talking about terms, because then, you know, like for uh, a Pahana researcher researching Hopi, that, you know, they, they talk about our religion and our beliefs kind of in a way to where it's like, but that's what they believe. But Hopi, researching Hopi, then they're using words like we, me, which is uh, a term that's used as far as our uh, religious societies go. And then there's a, a term, another term that they use called novoti, which I believe means uh, knowledge or what it is that you know. And so it really, it really spins the, the narration and the conversation and it's giving legitimacy to what it is that we know as far as this is how it is kind of kind of like that whole that that uh the the winter story type of thing this is how it was <laughs> how to instead of once upon a time you know this is how it was actually 
referencing and meaning that this is how it used to be and this is what it is i guess as far as hopis researching hopis yeah that that is true i mean like um there are there are a lot of books out there that that are are based around like our culture and our 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 heritage and our clanships and everything like that and it's it's one thing to learn about like the Hopi knowledge through a book, but it's another thing to like know more than what you're supposed to know through a Hopi book. And like all of the books that that are out there, yes, it exposes a lot of Hopi uh, Hopi cultures that we're not supposed to even know. I know I'm not supposed to know that, and I don't I don't read it because of that, and it's because of the it's because of these different things that like the white man has. Uh, you know, exposed Hopi culture in a way. And it, it's it's becoming to where it was bad that a lot of these books did that. And But it is kind of good because a lot of our culture is is dying out because of that. I mean, it, it's kind of like the, what was it called? The Catch-22, Catch-22 uh-huh. kind of thing. And it, it's like, it, it's it's one thing to do it, but it's bad to do it as well. <laughs> it's like all of these little, little different things. Like it's good to eat, uh, you know, it's good to eat, a, a, you know, a sweet every now and then to satisfy your sweet tooth. But then it's bad because um, it's going to rot your teeth. And that's it's basically what how Hopi books are to me. Basically, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, you know, I guess as far one one of the things that I've always thought about when researching Hopi, or at least as far as the body of work that's out there about Hopi, even if it's written by a non-Hopi, do you think that there's some value to it for for our communities, I guess, for our people? Because at least in my mind, when I think about what the value may be, it's not necessarily what it is that they talk about as far as our ceremony goes, but what they talk about as far as our history goes. Because you've mentioned this several times that, you know, we don't have a, a written language, yeah. that we didn't yeah. document our history through any type of written form or any type of codexes, but rather it's always been word of mouth and that we've talked before and we've said it that there are many iterations of certain things within our communities and probably that being a detriment to a system of being word of mouth but then when you look at the spanish or when you think about the spanish that they wrote down everything in their journals for some reason that's just a, a, a i guess a european type of mentality to write everything down and so they wrote everything down and so when you're researching like the pueblo revolt or the first contact with Bahanam that the Spanish wrote about it that they talked about where they were what year it was and and what the experience was like although it is coming from their perspective but at least you get an idea of what year it was or that there are certain factual things that you can take out of it or you know from all these other things if you're uh, researching the split at Oraivi that the Pahanas, they documented that, that they wrote down what year it was, that they talked about which village involved outside of just Oraivi, that Muntapi was also there, and even people from Samopavi were also there involved. And then you would learn that based upon those writings. And especially if you're somebody 
that can't just drive down the street to your so's house or has relatives that have deep knowledge of this that if you really are trying to learn about yourself if you really are trying to learn about your culture as a hopi person but for whatever it is that you've been displaced physically or mentally or or whatever that there are these resources to where you can learn about these things and how certain things went down and so you know i i guess to me you know it's 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 uh, uh I don't want to say it's a double-edged sword, but, you know, it's a weapon that can be used to hurt us. But at the same time, it can also be a weapon that's used to help us in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what I said. You know, it's like it's like it's it's good for the people because, you know, we, we can retain that uh, knowledge there. But it's also bad mm-hmm. because you're not supposed to learn that thing because we're not initiated. We're not we're not into those those different societies and all of that has died out. So that knowledge is there, but it's, you know, we can't do it. We can't access it because we're not, it's, it's, it's so complicated. It just complicates everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this is going to be the interesting thing 50 years down the line when we've lost kind of some of what these rules are as far as our culture goes, our descendants are going to be using the work of Reverend Voss to revitalize our uh, ceremonial cycle. And so they're going to be having his documents open in the Kiva, trying to learn how to uh, bring back the Poomwe Society and <laughs> initiating themselves into Poomwe. Yeah, exactly. So if you got this far in our episodes, I congratulate you because this is a, a little awkward recording that we're recording right now. It's not our usual thing. And um, it's it's going to take a little bit of time to uh, get used to this type of recording. But this is just temporary. This is just temporary. So if you want to donate to um, to us, go to anchor.fm slash cjpodcast85 to donate uh, $4.99 or $9.99, whichever is your flavor and whichever one you want to go to. Or if you want to just donate a one-time deal, go to buymeacoffee.com slash cjpodcast to donate $1 or more. And if you're not following us on our social media platforms, you can find us at Carl and J-Man all across the boards on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button, hit subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give us a five-star review because your podcast isn't five stars unless your Apple Podcast says you're five stars. If you're listening to this anywhere else, please give us a listen on Spotify as well. They take very good care of us because apparently we got all these sponsors and ads from all all over the place and so uh, i i guess that's it carl all right well thank you again for listening to carl and j-man save the world podcast my name is carl and this is my best friend j so long what quack, quack. <laughs>